0: Notice the scripture, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Praise the Lord. little background. Paul did not start the church in Colossae. In fact, he actually never, as far as I know, he never even visited that place. A man named Epaphras, who was actually from the city of Colossae, he was the first person to proclaim the gospel there, and he evidently established that church. And Paul, if you read through the Bible, it's also very helpful to kind of see who Paul's friends were. In fact, if you read Romans chapter 16, there's a whole chapter, and it tells us who Paul's companions were. And you might just gloss over that and think it's insignificant. In fact, I wonder why that's in the Bible. It's in the Bible because you need to have good friends. You need to be careful who you hang out with, who you associate with. Not only that, you need a team. You need a team of companions to go with you on this faith journey. You need a team of people who will lift you up in faith. You know, Mark Hankins says every Christian needs at least four crazy faith friends. The kind of people, if you can't walk, if the enemy has somehow paralyzed you, they'll bust a hole through the roof and lower you down to Jesus so you can get your miracle. That, so you, you don't just need friends to socialize. You need friends to develop in character and in godliness you in fact i'll take i'll take it a step further you will not develop character in a vacuum There's an idea that some Christians had that I can just isolate myself, kind of be cloistered in my bedroom alone and just pray or go to some mountaintop and fast. Well, you can have intimacy with God that way, but you cannot develop in Christian character that way, not that way alone. You must be with other people. I guess the Lord wants me to say something. This is not in my notes, but the Bible says iron sharpens iron. Right, so that means that means not every. Oh, this is what the Holy Ghost wants us to say. It's not in my notes. Not everybody God brings into your life is going to be smooth as butter and soft as silk. It doesn't say, you know, it doesn't say that that uh, that you know plastic sharpens butter, it says iron. So that means some sparks are gonna fly. You know, I read all kinds of postings online where people say, you know, if there's anyone that doesn't like you or is a little bit toxic, you need to run away from those people. That's not true. You'll never grow up that way. It's impossible. There will always be some problem people in your life. You're probably the problem person in someone else's life. So so God brings people into your life like that because you need to be sharpened. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's all free. No charge for that. That's all extra. So, so Epaphroditus, Paul calls Epaphras a faithful minister and a true servant of Christ. And that's quite a commendation coming from a man like Paul. And that's because Epaphras was genuinely concerned about the people he preached to. We can deduce that from different verses in the Bible. He was genuinely concerned about the people he preached to. In other words, it wasn't just his job or a hobby. It was a labor of love. And ministry, in any capacity, must be that way. I don't think my microphone's on. I said, ministry in any capacity must be a labor of love. It can never just be your employment. When it just becomes a job, it's time to either quit or make a change in your heart. Right? Amen? Uh, Some people have said, or, well, they didn't say it to me, but I think they were thinking it. Maybe I heard, you know, well, Pastor John... It looks like you and Pastor Jeppe came back to Nagala at the worst possible time. But I didn't come here for me. We didn't come here for us. We came here for you. If your house was on fire and the fire brigade came rushing in, with their fire trucks and hoses and extinguishers, would you say, oh, you fire brigade, you've come at the worst possible time. They would say, that's, that's, that's what we do. We don't need to come if everything's well. We need to come when there's trouble. Amen? <laughs> praise the Lord. Now, I'm preaching to myself right now. I, I'm, I'll say amen. I need to hear that. Uh, praise the Lord. Epaphras prayed. And that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight. Epaphras prayed sincerely and fervently for the believers in Colossae. And these are the people that he himself had led to the Lord. See, if you read Colossians chapter 1, I think it's verse 7, Paul says that, that Epaphras was the one who first brought the gospel to you. So here's a good point. If we win someone for the Lord, we now have a responsibility to help that person get established in faith and grow in God. If you lead someone in evangelism or or in some capacity in your ministry, if you lead someone to the Lord, you now are personally obligated to make some effort. To help that individual be established in the Word of God. In other words, you don't just pray with somebody the prayer, huh? And then take a quick picture, post it online, and then, you know, you go about your business and put a little another notch on your belt. One another one to Christ. No, 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 no. That's just the beginning of your work. Jesus did not say, Go into all the world and make converts, he said, Make disciples. A disciple is not someone who just prays a prayer. A disciple becomes a student of the Word of God, a learned follower of Christ. Amen? So, everybody loves to catch a fish. Nobody likes to clean a fish. In other words, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to give an altar call or something like that and see a bunch of people raise their hands or respond with tears, and it's wonderful. And, and that, that's true. But now comes the real hard work. Go ahead and nod because I'm talking to you. Amen? Praise the Lord. One thing you can do, of course, like this man, is to pray. But notice, go back to that verse, Colossians 4.12. He says that he is always struggling. Go ahead, show me the next part. Always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. Always struggling. Struggling. The Greek word is agonizomai. Agonizomai. And it's actually where we get the English word agonize. But it doesn't mean to be upset or to be emotionally under duress. That's not what it means. The Greek word ago was actually the Greek word for the stadium. And it's where they had like Olympic games, like contests, like like wrestling, things like that. So it really means to contest or it means to do battle or to be in a conflict or to fight against. So here's here's my question. He's always struggling in his prayers for you. Who is he struggling with? This Greek word means to fight. Who is he fighting against? Well, we certainly don't war with God when we pray. Prayer is joining forces with God. Prayer is working with the Lord to process. His plan in the earth. I know it's I know people like religious people like to think of I was just wrestling with God all night long. You may have been wrestling with your conscience, but you're not wrestling with God. Or if you are, you need to surrender to his will and get saved. (laughs) Right? But Epaphras in his prayer was not trying to change God's will. He was praying for other people to be in God's will. So, what's the struggle? Who's he fighting with? As we take our place in prayer, and prayer is more than a privilege. It is also our ministry. It is our our duty. As we take our place in prayer, we often encounter opposition in the unseen realm of the Spirit from forces of darkness in the devil's kingdom. Unseen forces seem to come against us, hinder us, try to hold us back, or besetting us with a sense of discouragement or doubt. Think about this, hold that thought in your mind. While living in captivity in Babylon, Daniel sought the Lord, he prayed. And he went on a partial fast for three weeks. He says during that time he ate no, you know, pleasant bread. He did not anoint his head with oil, that type of thing. So there was, he, he just ate a, a minimal amount of food. And after three weeks, he saw an angel that appeared to him in a vision. And this, and this angel was a radiant angel. Being and Daniel was so overcome with astonishment that he said in Daniel chapter 10, verse 9, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Now, see, Daniel wasn't drowsy, you know, he's not like some of you, he wasn't just feeling kind of tired and think, Well, I'll, here's an angel, tell you what, I'll just take a little quick nap while he's talking. No, he was overwhelmed. By the glory of God, the power of God just knocked him down. You see, that's what happened. You know, some Christians question why people sometimes fall to the floor when, you know, in ministry times, hands are laid on them. We pray, maybe lay hands on them. And some have questioned, well, is that even biblical? Well, we see that in the Bible. Saul of Tarsus who, by the way, at that time was not even a Christian, so he certainly wasn't faking it, like, okay, usher, catch me. He, he, he was on his way to Damascus. Jesus appeared to him, and it says he fell to the ground, and all of those who were with him, what happened? Did he, like, slip, you know? He, 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 uh, he tripped on his shoelace or the donkey he was riding stumbled. No, 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 the power of God knocked him down. Evidently, it hit him so hard, it knocked the S off his name and put a P there. <laughs> From Saul to Paul, right? Amen? Then again, John had a vision of Jesus on the island of Patmos. And he said in Revelation 1:17, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. John didn't bow down like in reverence, you know, just to, just to worship the Lord, you know, as, a, as an act of humility. He was knocked down. He said, I fell to the ground like a dead body. It was the power of God. You see, God's power can be so strong that your flesh cannot stand it. I said, the power of God can be displayed in such a measure that your physical body cannot stand it. Praise the Lord. And that's exactly what happened to Daniel. And then, there's a reason why I said all that. You'll find out in a second. Then the angel set Daniel up on his feet and told him, don't be afraid. And said to him in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Now, this is what. listen to this. Daniel 10, 12. The the angel said, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Notice, from the first day that you set your heart, that means you decided, you made a quality decision inside, set your heart, To understand and humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Notice the angel did not say, he did not say, I have come because of your fasting. He said, because of your words. Listen to me, my dear friends from Nagaland and northeast India. The words that come out of your mouth are more important to God than the food that goes in your mouth. In other words, you think that you, you know, just don't eat, you know, anything for for two days, that somehow that is going to usher you into the presence of God. That might usher you into the ICU, but that will not necessarily usher you into the presence of God. The angel said, I have come because of your words. So, notice this. If you want God to move in your life, even to the point of dispatching angelic messengers to help you, to work for you, then you need to seek the Lord, stay humble, and say the right thing. Seek the Lord, and I'm glad you're watching. I'm glad you're here. That's that's part of it, isn't it? Seek the Lord, stay humble, that's another sermon, and say the right thing. Be careful about your words. Oh, we could preach three sermons right now. I might just do that. You know, some people are very careful about what they put into their mouth. Obviously, some people aren't. But, you know, some people are very careful. Oh, you know, that uh, that, that high cholesterol, uh, too much sugar, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, too many artificial flavorings. Oh, I, don't, I I I don't like to eat that. I get a reaction. They're very, very careful. But they are very, very careless about what comes out of their mouth. What goes into you doesn't defile your heart. What comes out of you is what defiles your heart. So that means if you want the presence of God, if you want the power of God, you're going to be, have to go on a strict diet of words. And that means that means not only the words you speak, but the words that you hear, because what you comes into the heart and is filling the heart comes out of the mouth. So you can't just say, oh, don't say those bad words. If you're hearing bad words, not just profanity, yes, of course, but words of doubt. Some people get a heavy dose of doubt every day and then wonder why their prayers are never answered. A heavy dose of fear. Some people get three hot helpings of fear every day. Hmm? And that's why they're paralyzed That's why they don't have any power in their life. That's why you don't see a lot of grace of God in life. Why? Because they're hearing the wrong thing, believing the wrong thing, and saying the wrong thing. Listen, if an angel from heaven said, I've come because of your words, I assure you, a demon from hell will say the same thing. I've come because of your words. Hello, I'm fear. Hello, I'm depression. I've come because of your words. So that means you can't just blame your parents. You can't just blame your neighbors or your spouse, you, 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 your problem begins right here. Your own words. You are hung by the tongue. You are held captive by the words of your mouth. Death and life, not just life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Hallelujah. Because there's a whole lot of wrong words being spoken these days. And I don't just mean out in the world, of course, that's true, but that's always true. I mean in the body. There's a whole lot of wrong words being spoken today. Now's a good time to say amen. Why don't you say something good right now? Amen. But wait a minute. That's not all. Notice this. The angel said to Daniel, this is so interesting. From the first day, from the first day, go back to the beginning of that verse, from the first day that you set your heart to understand, humble yourself before God, from the first day your words were heard. All right. All right. If I was Daniel, I would immediately be thinking this. I have been fasting for 21 days. I mean, has anybody ever been on a fast? Skipping one meal hurts. Skipping one day hurts. 21 days, forget it. Don't. I can't even imagine that, all right? <laughs> 21 days. It's not a full complete fast, but it's a partial fast. Nonetheless, 21 days. I would be thinking, I've, I've been doing this for 21 days. What took you so long to get here? You're telling me from the first day God heard me? <laughs> Why did it take so long for the answer to come? A lot of, a lot of Christians are asking that, that, that same question. Why is it taking so long? Did God, I guess God didn't hear me. I got to shout louder. Uh, maybe maybe I got to prostrate. Prost- straight on the ground, you know, longer. Maybe I got to cry more. Maybe I need a bucket of tears. No, he said, from the first day, your words were heard. See, we have a lot of religious thinking thrown in there. You know, if if the, if if the we don't have an earthquake and see lightning and an angel, then we think we got to scream. We got to do a Jericho march around the house. You know, no, no, no. From the first day, your words were heard. And that first day... He didn't hear a voice thunder from the heavens. I hear you. There was no response. Do not misinterpret the silences of God. Just because God doesn't say anything, that doesn't mean he didn't hear you. Amen. But I'm sure. I don't know what Daniel's thinking, but if I was him, I would be thinking 21 days. What took so long? Well, the angel answers that question in the next verse. It's very interesting. Verse 13. Daniel 10, verse 13. Notice this. He says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. There's the 21 days. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. So the angel said I was delayed because I had to fight against the prince of Persia for 21 day 21 days. What? Huh? What on earth is he talking about? Well, the first thing is who is this prince of Persia? It can't be a man. It could not this is an angel talking this is actually actually, we, we learn later. This is Gabriel talking to Daniel, "This prince of Persia, that can't be a man. Because Daniel's a man, and when the angel just showed up, Daniel, boom, he's, 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 he's like lost all strength, he just faints under the power of God. So why would the king or prince of Persia or any other prince, or why would he be any different? Boom wouldn't fight with this angel for 21 days, because he's not talking about a man. He's talking about demonic forces that are arrayed against us in the spirit realm. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul gives us greater insight and understanding in this area. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. By the Holy Spirit, Paul says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. These principalities, powers, or or rulers and authorities, these are not human beings. Because you just got through saying, I don't wrestle with flesh and blood. These are not human beings. These are evil spirits. See, these are the echelons of Satan's kingdom. By the way, it's rather interesting. The devil has a kingdom, and his kingdom is a counterfeit to God's. And just like God's kingdom is organized, you can see the devil has some organization in his, his, his institution as well. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of the world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. This could be translated in the Greek, world rulers of the darkness. World rulers of the darkness. That means there are demonic forces that are ruling or dominating this sinful world. That's what he means. When he says, like, heavenly places, he doesn't mean the heaven of heavens, the abode of God, the throne of God. He doesn't mean that. He actually means the atmosphere above us in the earth. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, he refers to the devil as the prince And that is that word that has to do with ruling again, doesn't it? The prince of the power of the air. See, the enemy works in certain atmospheres. The prince of the power of the air. He works in certain atmospheres. So, the book of Daniel reveals to us, clearly shows us the existence of a dual kingdom. On earth, there are governments that are run by men, mere mortals. But these individuals are swayed by spiritual influences, demonic beings which actually control them or rule through them so that the enemy's will may be processed in the earth. See, God has a a plan for your life. God has a will for you. Well, the enemy also has a plan. (laughs) He also has a will. And just like the agents of the Lord are working to further and advance the will of God, well, the devil and demons are working to advance the enemy's plans and the enemy's will. We know that, don't we? Every Christian should know that. Let me go a little deeper. Let me prove this to you more emphatically from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 28, Ezekiel, chapter 28, verse 2. Let me read this verse to you. It says, Son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, Thus says the Lord God, Because your heart is proud and you have said... I am a God, I sit in the seat of the gods, in the heart of the seas, yet you are but a man and no God, though you make your heart like the heart of a God. All right, so this is from Ezekiel. And the Spirit of God moved on Ezekiel, and he had a message, he had a prophetic word for the prince of Tyre. That's modern-day Lebanon today the country of Lebanon, okay, just north of Israel. And this person, this is a man. This is an actual human being, a historical person, you see. And And he tells us in these verses that this man was wealthy. He was smart. He was very smart, very clever, and also very, very arrogant. In fact, he declared himself to be a god. He's demanding that others worship him. I'm a God, you see. But in this word, this prophecy, isn't it interesting? Even though Ezekiel is a Jew ministering under the anointing of the Lord to God's covenant people, he has a word even for other nations. God has something to say even to the non believer. God even has a word for nations. Isn't that interesting? So the Lord predicted this man's demise. You go down a little bit further down to verse 9, he goes on to say, will you still say I'm a god in the presence of those who kill you? You know, he's saying, you're saying I'm a god. Well, you're know, you going to die. Are you going to tell the man that slays you? But I'm a god. You can't kill me, you see. So the prince of Tyre was a mere mortal man, but he's acting like the devil. He has all these devilish characteristics. This is just a, his, his behavior, his attitude is exactly like Lucifer. Next question, why? Is it because, you know, he, he didn't grow up in a good family or, you know, when he was a baby, his mother dropped him on his head or somebody mistreated him? No, 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 no. I don't know, but, but, but no, here's why. Going down to verse 11, notice this, notice this. This is still Ezekiel, all right, chapter 28. Verse 11, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel talking. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. Now, he's not talking about Jesus when he says son of man. He's talking about himself, Ezekiel. Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre. All right. Now, he just got through prophesying over the prince of Tyre. You know, like I said, Lebanon. Then he says, not only that, but I'm giving you a word for the king of Tyre. So this is somebody else. This is another person. It's not the same person we read about in verse 2. And he goes on to say, God said that this person, the king of Tyre, was beautiful and was wise. In verse 13, he says this. Notice this. You were in Eden the garden of God, every precious stone was your covering. He went on to say, he lists all these stones. He went on to say, on the day that you were created, they were prepared. Friend, there were only two human beings in the garden of Eden, and none of them had a covering of stones. They didn't have any covering, (laughs) right? He cannot be talking about a mere human being here. He's not talking about a mortal man now. So who is he talking about? Jump down to verse 14. You were, he's talking, he calls this the king of Tyre. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire you walk this is this is not a human being this is not a man or a woman he says you were past tense an anointed cherub there are different kinds of angels just like there are different kinds of demons we read earlier, principalities, powers, rulers, etc. Well, there are also different classifications of angels. And, you know, this is not spooky. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You don't have to, you know, swallow hard and, and, and get nervous. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, all right? Praise the Lord. So remember in the Old Testament, Moses was instructed to build the Ark of the Covenant, and it specifically says that the covering of the Ark, which is like a box, the covering, it's all made a, covered in gold, but the covering, they, they made two figurines of angels with their wings spread out, covering like what's called the mercy seat, the place where they sprinkled the blood. And the Bible calls those two angelic figurines, you know, they just fa- fashioned it out of gold, you know, uh, like a little, little miniature statue type thing. The Bible calls those cherubs. So a cherub is a type of angel in heaven who evidently has a position or place near the throne of God. And that would seem to indicate high rank. Going back to Ezekiel, notice verse 15. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. Notice he doesn't say from the day you were born because he wasn't born. From the day you were created, till unrighteousness was found in you. So that means this angelic being was originally perfect and blameless before God, but he sinned. And because of that, he was judged. Verse 16, God is still speaking. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God. Now, that may not be so clear to you, but here's a verse that'll make it more clear. Jesus refers to this same thing in Luke 10, 18. He said to his disciples, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He sent out his disciples two by two to preach, and they came back, and they were so excited, they said, even the demons obey us when we use your name. And Jesus said, basically, you know, I was there when Satan got kicked out of heaven. You may be excited by that, but it's no big deal to me. I was there when it happened. Are you listening to me? So we see then that men with authority in the world are actually being controlled by unseen influences. One more verse along those same lines. You remember that when Jesus, after he was baptized in Jordan and and the Holy Spirit came on him, he immediately was led into the wilderness, and, and there he was tempted by the enemy. He was tempted by who? This former anointed cherub. Right? And in Luke chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, it says Satan showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And then he went on to say to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. And then he added this one little stipulation. If you will bow down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. See, the king of Tyre, the the prince of Tyre, a man, was acting just like the king of Tyre because it has always been the devil's dream since he sinned that he would be God and that men would worship him. But notice he said, all these kingdoms, they're mine. I can give it to anybody I want. Now, what does that mean? Well, the earth is the Lord's and all the fullness of it. God created this world. It belongs to Him, but He's given it to men to have dominion in the earth, you see. But sinners, people who are lost because of sin, they are under the devil's authority. So when he talks about kingdoms, you might think of buildings like parliament or, or, you know, uh, 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 castles, Buckingham Palace, uh, the White House. But, But he's really not talking about buildings. He's talking about people, specifically people in authority, you see. So the earth is the Lord's, but sinners are influenced by the God of this world, Satan, And the enemy, as I said, is determined to thwart the plan of God. So we see a dual kingdom. And this is the struggle that Epaphras encountered in prayer. So in Colossians 4.12, and really kind of an underlying theme or current by all these verses, we see the power of influence. The power of influence. Satan cannot force anybody to do anything, even sinners. He can't make them do anything. Then what does the enemy do? He influences people. See, if he could force people to do what he wants, he would have forced Adam and Eve to sin. But he didn't. He subtly, craftily deceived them so that they willingly chose to do the wrong thing. Right? He didn't come with an AK-47 in the Garden of Eden and say, okay, I'm going to blow your head off unless you eat of this tree. No, no. He began to talk to, to the woman. Did God really say that? No, God just trying to hold something good from you. See, that proves he can only use influence to control people. Are you listening to me? Praise the Lord. So that's good news because a lot of people, you talk about the devil, demons, they get really afraid and they think, oh, the devil shows up, he'll just kill all of us and we can't do anything. He can't do anything unless you yield to him. If you won't listen to the devil, he's powerless. If you won't pay any attention to him, if you resist him, he'll have to flee. See? So it's all about influence. Influence. How does he do that? Well, he he whispers to the minds of people. He has the ability to, to bring thoughts to people. Have you ever had a thought come into your mind that, uh, that's, that's not a good thought. That's a wrong thought. Where did that come from? Well, the enemy can bring thoughts to your mind. I'm bringing thoughts to your mind as I'm talking to you, but it's not the devil I'm talking here. But, you know, <laughs> the enemy can, can, can bring thoughts to your mind too. That's why you need to be selective in your thoughts. Amen? The enemy, I told you he's the prince of the power of the air. The enemy works by creating certain atmospheres, You can just be minding your own business in your bedroom and suddenly like this feeling of depression just comes on you. What is that? Has that ever happened to anybody? Just just suddenly, like, for lack of a better term, this feeling that comes on you, a heaviness maybe, that you know, and and with that comes, you know, thoughts as well, like I'm a failure or 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 God doesn't really love me, and all kinds of where does that come from? That's the that's the influence of the enemy. The enemy can't force you to say all these wrong things, but he's influencing you. You don't have to. You don't have to yield to that. You can push that aside and say, no, 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 no. God loves me with an everlasting love. He loved me enough to send His Son to die for me. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So, in every nation, listen carefully, my friends. In every nation, the devil endeavors to influence the influencers. He endeavors, that's his goal, that's his aim, to influence people of influence. See, like why would Satan himself, see notice in, in, in the Bible, I can only think of really, off the top of my head, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I can only think of two places in the Bible where Satan himself personally tempted someone. In the beginning, in the garden, and then Jesus in the wilderness. We don't see, I don't, we don't, basically, we don't see in the Bible, you know, Satan himself personally tempting just every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and, and, and Bill and Susie, you know, that's walking up and down the street. You know, th- you know, there are demonic influences and things of that nature, but Satan himself, just Adam and Eve and Jesus. Why? because he's trying to influence the people who have the greatest influence understand he's trying because that will have the greatest power the greatest amount of control over people it's all about people the name of the game is souls those are the things that are the most valuable in the spirit realm it's souls it's not buildings, it's, it's not money in the bank, it's not cars and swimming pools, it's people. That's what this is all about. It's all about people. So, you have to understand this. We can see this alluded to in the Bible. The enemy in every country will endeavor to get a hold of the government and the media. Is that true in America? Oh, buddy, is it definitely true. Is it true in India? Of course it's true. Is it true in China? (laughs) Don't even bother asking that question, okay? (laughs) In every country on the world, there's no exception, the enemy, I said, will endeavor. That means he may or may not be as successful in some places. The enemy, or at certain times, the enemy will always endeavor to gain a foothold in government and the media. Why? Because those are the two of the biggest influences in a particular region or a particular country or among a particular people. You understand? We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. But Paul did not say we don't wrestle. We do wrestle. But you're wasting your time wrestling with the wrong thing. You need to deal with the influence that's behind the person. When I was a student in the university, and of course it was a long time ago, right? But um, I, I, my major was music and uh, you know, obviously, that's I'm not a very good musician, and I probably should have picked another topic, you know. But, anyways, I, I majored in music, and so part of my uh, studies required me to do composition, you know, writing music, you know. And so, my one of my 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 professor, who has left this world many years ago, but my professor, he, he was, you know, he was a worldly person. Okay, he's not a Christian. It's a state-run government university. And so he wanted me to write all of this horrible music. To me to my ears it's very dissonant. It sounds ungodly. I don't just mean a little bit, you know, kind of different or something. No, no, it, it just like it would just like grate against my soul, the kind of music he wants me to write. It sounds like music that would be the 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 the, the score to a horror movie type music, you know. And that's what he loves that. That's what he listens to all day long. And um <laughs> so I mean, I, I wrote something. It was part of my assignment, you know, and I came in and he pulls out his red marking pen and he just, just starts slicing that thing up and down. He wants me to change it like this. And, and it was just, it, don't misunderstand me. I can take correction. I'm an, I, know, I know some of you don't think that's possible, but I can take correction. <laughs> but he's just, but I was just grieved, you know, and he's just, just, it just sounds horrible. Just like he wants it to sound like devilish. That's, let's be honest. He wants it to sound like the devil's music. And so I, you know, kind of just took my little paper and went away, and I got to go back the next week. And I began to think about it. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, you might, if, you, if I was Naga, I'd probably wrestle with him on the ground, but I'm, I'm an American. So, <laughs> Jehovah's Day. Uh, so, anyways, I, I began to think about it. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but, but that means we do wrestle with principalities and powers, you know, these spiritual forces. And I I began to think, this man is being influenced by something that's not of God. I it's not the Holy Ghost that's inspiring him to say, undo all these things. That's for sure. No doubt about that. It's not just a difference difference of opinion. There's something wrong with this guy. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's true. So I just said, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over that demonic influence that's just, that's just, troubling him, that's pushing him, as pertains to me, you know, I can't, I don't control other people's lives, but as concerns me. And then I said, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to speak to him. What's that? Influence. Influence. What I want you to know is the greatest power on earth is spiritual influence. The greatest power on earth Spiritual influence. You might think the greatest power is like a nuclear weapon. Yeah, but what influences a person to push the button or not push the button? That's where the power lies. See? So during the week, uh, I was uh, walking down the hallway of the university, and suddenly he, he stuck his head out of his uh, office, and he said, uh, John, come here. And I thought, oh, no, here we go again. And he said, remember all those changes I made to your paper? And I said, yeah. He said, just forget them. Just forget it. Just do it, do it the way you had it. Now, friends, that obviously was a miracle because these people are not known for their humility. They certainly don't bend to the will of some lowly student in the university. I mean, these people think like the guy in Ezekiel, but I'm a god. You know, this is how they think, see themselves. That, was, that showed me that in prayer, we can pray for the power department, and there can be a godly influence over those people. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. So influence, it's all about influence. Again, in every nation on earth, the enemy endeavors to get into government and media because he wants to influence influence. The influencers. That's also why, that's also why it could be this way someone is now a former, you know, official, formerly was someone of great power, and now he's not really influenced so much. Why? Because he, he doesn't have influence. In other words, the enemy's not, maybe, maybe, I'm just saying possibly, not really pushing him like he was because he's no longer useful. I'll just be a little bit frank with you and let the chips fall where they may. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm trying to. I'm just trying to be. Ezekiel wasn't trying to be unkind either. I actually met someone who formerly was a very high-ranking person in this state in government. I, I, I as far as I, it was the first time I'd ever personally met that person. Someone just said, "Here's so and so." And as soon as I got within that person's reach, I mean, close to him, I felt something inside me, and I thought, this guy has a demon. I mean, I, I know something, a little something about spiritual things, and I said, this guy is demonized. I could feel it. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. I have a friend of mine. The point of this is not to scare you. The point of this is simply to open your eyes and to prepare you and to make you more vigilant. Uh, I have a friend of mine, Jeppy, and I know him. And uh, before he knew the Lord, he was going to be a rapper. Not Christmas or birthday rapping, but, but music rapper. He's he on his way to be a, a famous rapper, rap artist. And uh, this, is, I, this is his testimony. This is his testimony. So he's kind of trying to climb the ladder of success in that area. And he said this to us. I was at a meeting, and he also, he said it to me personally because I, I, he's a friend of mine. He said, I got a chance to meet some people who are famous in that department. And if I called their names, you would know. I think, I think many of you would know those people, know of these people. And he said the thing that shocked me was that they openly admitted that they had given themselves over to the devil. now he was just your basic you know everyday Joe sinner, you know he's just your basic guy you know he's he's not a he's not trying to be a spiritual guy or anything like that. He's just your basic guy, you know, and he was shocked to hear that they he he talked to different people who were like Famous, top tops, maybe at that time or, you know, maybe even now. And he, then they admitted to him, according to this man's testimony, they openly, freely told him that they had given themselves over to the devil. In other words, like the, like the Prince of Tyre, he's so smart. And he has lots of money. Where did he get that Smartness. Hmm? How come he's so smart? Because he's inspired, but not by God. That's not the wisdom of God, you see. Are you listening to me? Where did he get all that money? Well, the enemy makes people rich every day too. But of course, they pay for that with their soul. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. But with the devil, there's a a whole lifetime of heartache that can can go with that you see so in a sense you could say that why are some of these people this is the entertainment industry why would why would the devil care about that well he wants to influence the influencers he wants to influence people who can have the greatest impact on a generation so in a sense you could say this that these people made a deal with the devil and the enemy anointed them The formerly anointed cherub, with his counterfeit anointing, now empowered them. And that's why they got their inspiration. That's where they got their ideas. That's how they got their songs, because they made a deal with hell. And you can sit there and dismiss it, but all I can tell you is what I know and also what I have heard from other sources and I think you should consider carefully the music you listen to. Well, this this friend of mine, he was so shocked and disgusted, he pulled away from that, and eventually he gave his heart to the Lord, and now he's a Christian rapper. He's preparing the body of Christ for the rapture. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. Epaphras. I'm almost done here. Epaphras prayed for believers that they would stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Also, that means that they would not only know God's will perfectly and walk in the perfect will of God, but also carries the idea that they would grow and mature. And he's praying There's there's forces coming against him, but he's praying for this. So what's going on? How are these prayers going to be answered? It's just like abracadabra and suddenly it happens. It's influence. The greatest power on earth is spiritual influence. That's a revelation. So in response to this man's prayers, what does God do? He doesn't just snap his finger and suddenly these people are in the perfect will of God. But God can speak to them. God can guide them. God can help them. He's influencing them. And there's a word for this influence. It's, it's, it's found all over the Bible, especially the New Testament. It's all over the New Testament. It's called grace. It's called grace. Why do sinners become Christians? Is it because Pastor John has a clever sermon or the praise and worship team, you know, just sort of sings so well, and we have colored lights and 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 an FM microphone? No, 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 no. First of all, The Spirit of God directs a man to share the gospel with someone. Maybe prompts in your heart even to first pray for someone. Helps to guide your steps maybe to meet that person or or maybe to direct that person to come to the place where they can hear God's Word. He anoints the communicators of his message. That means he helps their message to have a greater impact and greater influence. The Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin to the lost. What is that? Influence. We talked about the devil can bring works in an atmosphere. God, the devil's just copying God. God works in certain atmospheres. Why do we sing before we share the message, it's just sort of like to just, like, you know, get everybody happy and snappy or, or uh, take up the time till everybody's seated. We're creating an atmosphere. We know that God inhabits the praises of his people. God has the greatest amount of influence in the right atmosphere. It's influence. That's why we pray. For the lost. That's why we pray before we minister. Whether it's singing, preaching, serving, you need the you want to, you need the influence of God in all that you do. Are you listening to me? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So in our prayers, we can give God an open door. To bring greater influence in our lives and in the lives of others. We don't have to defeat the devil. Jesus has already done that. All we have to do is enforce the devil's defeat. At the end of World War II, after the armistice, after, after the Nazis in, in Europe surrendered, then you know the Allied forces. You know primarily Britain, America, they sent in occupying forces. These are not combat soldiers. they're not going to go into fight. they're going in to maintain the victory just to enforce the victory. Jesus said, "Occupy till I come." In, 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 in that sense, you don't have to fight the devil. He's already defeated. He's, he's, he has no hold over you. he has no jurisdiction over you, He has no right to rule over you, but we must enforce That victory with the authority we have. Now, Epaphras prayed that they would stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. And what that means is this, and I'm almost done. I've been a bit longer, but let me just say this. What that means is that Christians need prayer. Christians need prayer. If Epaphras was just wasting his time praying like this, if this was futile, it's not going to make any difference, then Paul would not have commended him for doing so. Kenneth Copeland, I don't know if you've ever heard of Kenneth Copeland, but I would say he's a minister who has a lot of influence in the body of Christ. Kenneth Copeland, in the beginning, at the start of his ministry, was facing all kinds of challenges you know, as, as would anybody in life or ministry. And he said that one day the Lord spoke to him and said, you're not going to fail. You're going to make it. And he said, well, Lord, I appreciate that. You know, that encourages me. But Lord, there are many men who are greater than I who fell. So why do you say I'm going to make it? And the Lord said, it's not so much because of you, it's because of your mother. He said, day and night, your mother is in my face, praying for you. And the Lord said this, I thought this this really blessed me. So the Lord said to him, so if I have to wake you up every morning, or put you to sleep in bed every night, I'll do it, but you are not going to fail because your mother is praying for you every day. So maybe when the rewards are being handed out in heaven on the last day, here are all these famous preachers and ministers, but Jesus calls their mothers first. She's the one that was praying. Or their wives, she was the one that was praying She was the one here. Before we get to the Apostle Pauls and and the Peters and, and the Jameses, let's call the Epaphrases, the little people that nobody really seemed to notice who were behind the scenes agonizing in prayer so that Christians could stand in the perfect will of God. So let me say this. Your pastor needs Prayer. Every pastor needs prayer. He doesn't really need your criticism. He needs your prayers. Amen? Church leaders, they need your prayers. Hallelujah. Christians in the body of Christ, they don't necessarily need your critique, but they need your prayers because your prayers will allow the Spirit of God to have a greater influence in their life. All right, that's enough for one night. Would you stand with me to your feet? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.